Where's Such? Why can't Kenny hear me? I can't hear you either. I can't hear you either. Try now. Checking one, two, three. Now I can Hi, have it Joe. On. How are yeah. you, Joe? Did you even have it on? Good morning. The microphone's on. Roski. <laughs> All right, let's just get let's just get this done, huh? Well, this I'm is ready. Audio magic. I'm ready. Let the magic start with the mayor. Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number three three hundred and one. We're on the next three hundred. January fourteenth, twenty twenty. It was forty nine degrees on this day in nineteen forty four, and twenty six below on two occasions, nineteen sixty three and nineteen seventy two. And now from the mayor's office. Above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake. It's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor. Joe uh, we must start with something very alarming because I think we're going to be dying soon. Oh, again? No, I don't want to die. The world's oceans are now heating at the same rate as if five Hiroshima atomic bombs were dropped into the water every second, scientists said. What? Now, you have to admit, that sounds pretty alarming. It really does. And I'm haunted by the idea, this has come up before on this show. Sounds somewhat concurrence, familiar. Concurrence? Yes. Yes. Uh, when we were still on the radio, they trotted this uh, atomic bomb analogy out. And I seem to recall we either had a guest, because I'm not certainly not qualified to break this down. We, we either had a guest or smart GLers emailed us to show uh, how this could not be the case. Uh, it goes on to say an international, this is from CNN, they would not pass this up. An international team of 14 scientists examined data going back to the 1950s, looking at temperatures from the ocean's surface to 2,000 meters deep. The study, which was published in the journal Advances in Atmospheric Sciences, also showed that the oceans are warming at an increasing speed. While the past decade has been the warmest on record for global ocean temperatures, the hottest five years ever recorded all came in the last five. The upward trend is relentless and so we can say with confidence that most of the warming is man-made climate change, said Kevin Trenberth, distinguished senior scientist in the climate analysis section at the National Center for Atmospheric Research. All right. Uh, The study shows that while the oceans warmed steadily between 1955 and 1986, warming has accelerated rapidly. In the past few decades, between 87 and 2019, ocean warming was 450% greater than during the time period. I'm prepared to be concerned. It, It does sound very alarming. Li Jing Cheng, the paper's lead author and the associate professor of the at the International Center for Climate and Environmental Sciences at the Chinese Academy of Sciences, said the ocean temperature was 0.075 degrees Celsius above the 1981 to 2010 average in 2019. There are no reasonable alternatives aside from the human emissions of heat-trapping gases to explain this heating, Chang said, adding that to reach this temperature, the ocean would have taken in 200 and 28 sextillion joules of heat, J-O-U-L-E-S. No idea what that means. Well, that's why I'm not qualified to debunk this, but I wonder if it's debunkable. 
The Hiroshima atomic bomb exploded with an energy of about 63 sextillion joules, Chang said. I did a calculation. The amount of heat we have put in the world's ocean in the past 25 years equals 3.6 billion Hiroshima atom bomb explosions, he added. Well, you'd think we'd be dead by now. Oh, I've got to start taking notes because I have many, many, many you, questions. You'd think it's over. Hold on. I did. Uh, first question. I, did. I watched the BBC uh, last night. Every time there was a break in the college football game, and there were many, uh, I could yeah. go to BBC America and watch Planet Earth, and it was all about the oceans last night and the whales frolicking. And and it, how could they exist with the, this? Doesn't this, you have to admit, doesn't this sound horribly significant? Yes. It does, and uh, let me know when you're ready for my really dumb line of questions. Okay, I'm not ready yet. Okay. Uh, that's equivalent to dropping roughly four Hiroshima bombs into the oceans every second over the past 25 years. Because the warming is speeding up, the rate at which we are dropping these imaginary bombs is getting faster than ever. We are now at five to six Hiroshima bombs of heat each second said John Abraham, one of the authors of the study and professor of mechanical engineering at the University of St. Thomas in St. Paul. He has refused to come on with us. Rook, we made an effort to get that fellow, didn't we, John Abraham? Yes. Uh, and he won't talk to me because I'm an evil realist. Yes. Hmm. That's too bad. This, uh, this uh, in 2013, must be when we're talking about we had people who perhaps helped us with it. Yeah. Because uh, I Googled it, and there's all kinds of stories from July to November of 2013, then it was four bombs. Yeah, oh, that's what I'm second. looking at right now. I'm trying to. We're at, we were only at four bombs then. Yeah, we're only at four bombs per second. According to the guy at St. Thomas, we're now at five to for, six bombs a second. So it's going, it's going up apparently. Well, yeah. at what point did we just die? <laughs> does the St. Thomas? I'm not up, ready yet. Does he know that you'll treat him with respect? <laughs> no. And, and this well, sure he does. But it won't be a yelling match. No, it won't be a yelling match. Anything like that? I'll try him again, but he won't come on. That's too bad. Well, the left can't argue. Well, it, and he's a hell of a lot smarter than me. He should realize yeah. he could win the argument. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. I can't. How many times have you? Who's your buddy? Uh, the lawyer? Is it Cerisi? Yeah. Yeah. You have written, oh. yelled Fail. at him Fail. up and down. Get Cerisi on the phone. And with thirty seconds, within thirty seconds, he's got you turned oh, around. Absolutely. In his, in his camp. It's the equivalent to when Harry uh, on Cheers, the magician, walks into the bar, and Norm goes over and says, "Harry, here's the twenty bucks I'm going to owe you in five minutes." That's what <laughs> yes. you owe us, to Cerisi. Yes. yes. Okay. Again, I'm very prepared to be alarmed, but. Uh, because I, I, you can't find a more, uh, you can't find a more hysterical claim than this. This is incredible. But then again, maybe it was back in 2013, Jen. This, we had people who were able to put this in perspective, given the square footage of the Earth's oceans and the power of the bomb. And uh, I, 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 I'll have to rely on GL emailers again. Uh, right now, we're supposed to believe that the oceans are heating up. Uh, because we're dropping an imaginary five to six uh, atomic bombs into the ocean every second. Every second. That's, your mind can't process that. Well, no, but it, it, wait till Greta hears this. The poor right. kid will go <laughs> right. into remission. This is terrible. Uh, oceans serve as a good indicator of the real impact of climate change, covering almost three-quarters of the Earth's surface, they absorb the vast majority of the world's heat. Since 1970, more than 90% of the planet's excess heat went into the oceans. Okay, uh, I'll set this aside. Uh, I, I need help. Uh, I, I'm the first one to admit, you've got me. 
You had me at Hiroshima. Well, okay, you're not a denier, and I, I only bring you say this often, but I only bring it up in case we have some new listeners uh, that downloaded the podcast for the first time. Uh, you are what you just called a realist, yeah, and you're willing to talk to anybody uh, about this subject Absolutely. on both sides. Absolutely. So you, you probably can't answer any of my questions. Well, give so. me a try. Uh, the heat that's being injected is it. Is it heat from the air, or is it heat somehow being thrown, something's being thrown into the ocean that makes it warm up? Is it the atmosphere warming the ocean? Yes. Okay, you answered that. Four bombs, where? That's another good point. It's 75% of the earth is ocean. Yeah. Which, where are we dropping them? And does that mean there's cooling elsewhere? Let's say I put a house in the back of my dump box trailer. I started that house on fire. She's fully ablaze. I backed up to my lake, dumped it in. Yep. That part of the lake is going to warm up. Yep. The other part of the lake doesn't get affected. Is going to stay cool and cool everything off. And Mm -hmm. I'm guessing the poles, north and south, Mm -hmm. very cold, Mm going to cool things down. Mm -hmm. Does that factor in? Well, I've got all these really dumb questions that I'd them. write really keep smart them. answers because I'll make another attempt to reach uh, Professor Abraham at the University of St. Thomas. Did anybody else weigh in be, be, uh, besides the guy from China? No, we're, we're, we're just capturing the, uh, the people who were involved in the study. Uh, Li Jing Cheng, John Abraham. Uh, are there others? I only I don't see too many more. Uh while scientists say man-made climate change isn't solely to blame for tropical storms, studies have shown that higher temperatures can make them wetter and more damaging. So they're talking about Hurricane Harvey in 2017, Hurricane Florence. Uh, rising temperatures also mean ocean waters have less oxygen and are becoming more acidic. I, I'm prepared to understand all this. I'm, I'm prepared to understand this, but I need this put into context because you just talk to the average guy walking down the street, including me, and you say, hey, Joe you know that these oceans we got, they're heating up at the rate of we're dropping five to six atomic bombs into the ocean every second? I would imagine the world should be aflame. Right. 321.14. Well, in a letter, a boy. In a letter to the villager, uh, a letter to the villager said oceans were warming to the equivalent to four Hiroshima bombs every second. Uh-huh. I did the math with predictable doomed results. All right. So we didn't have a guess, so we must have had we, emailers that did all the math for us and said. Or, or I might have brought that in because I get the Highland Village. Right. Okay, what does the letter say? Well, we don't have the letter. Hmm. All I have oh, is, you have the show notes. I have the show notes, oh, yeah. Yeah, all right. So six months down the road, all of this is proven factual. How is that going to change Joe Souchere and what we do here at, uh, at Garage Logic? Well, I, I, I can't answer that question. Uh, I, I guess the questions I have is that you scientists, uh, you academics, you've come up with a, uh, a terribly impressive scare statistic here. Yeah. Okay. Wh- where is that leading us? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I, I need this put into perspective by somebody who can do math. I, to me, an atomic bomb uh, is the is the ultimate example of heat. Yes, right, right. Yep. And, and now you're telling everything. me you, you you're you're dumping the ultimate example of heat into the ocean's waters every second. Yeah. Well, how come we're still here? 
Indeed. And that's and the answer to that would be the math that we are not allowed to do. The answer to that would be, well, uh, there seventy five percent of the Earth's oceans. Seventy five percent of the Earth is oceans, and when you uh, when you do the calculations. Uh, it, it might be true that you're dropping the equivalent of five to six bombs in the water every second, but that does not have uh, an instantaneous heating effect because of the greater volume of water that's in the oceans or something. Yeah. But but I got to hand it to them. It, you, they're trotting this one out again, and it's this one's frightening. <laughs> I got to hand it to the boys. This is a good one. Do they offer any solutions? Oh, God, no. Well, yes, man must disappear from Earth. Well, that's not they don't work. say that, yeah, but I mean, where do you where do you what do you think they're going to say? Uh, well, we will see continued increase in ocean heat content in this century, even if we can keep the global mean surface temperature well below two degrees Celsius. The goal of the Paris Agreement, said Li Jiang Cheng. However, he added that the speed of warming is entirely dependent on the world's actions on climate change. If we can reduce emissions, we can reduce the warming level and then reduce the associated risks and losses. Okay, I got another question. If we uh, if we can stop driving cars, for example, mm-hmm. does that mitigate dropping six Hiroshima bombs into the oceans? Does that drop it down to three? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or well, how do we get to one bomb a day? On the converse, <laughs> if we shut down every single coal plant on the face of the earth, where does that leave us? Mm-hmm. Because we know the coal plants are spewing uh, spewing the junk. This is just... Well, increasing the price on carbon would help limit the warning. Oh. Okay. Oh. Yeah. So... Uh, this you just a, tax me more. This we'll get down to a bomb problem a day. solved. <laughs> you yeah. just tax us. Funny more. how it comes back to that again. Yeah, the it? kids must eat this up in the failed academy because I'm eating it up. I'm going. My head is ringing. My head is full of explosion. You, you, wait a minute. We're dropping six bombs a second into the ocean. How come the water that laps up on Malibu isn't 480 degrees? <laughs> This is what I learned in my marketing class when I went to Brown Institute in the 80s when you're writing a commercial or an ad. This is called call to action. It really is. I don't know what the hell to do. Falls about 45 seconds in where you start in with the urgency and how you really, really need them to. Kenny must have been there uh, not at the poodle club that day. He actually went to class that day. You got to wear an asbestos suit to the beach. <laughs> oh, that would be uncomfortable. <laughs> something? In the meantime, in the meantime, I, I, I don't know how to place this in context. Remember two months ago, uh, the hysterians were uh, pointing to Venice and saying that the flooding was an example sure. of yep. uh, rising oceans and climate change. Well, now the canals are dry. Well, that's because of global warming, dum-dum. <laughs> well, everything of course, is. Of course. <laughs> but you don't get any uh, – this is from the BBC. I've I've not seen this reported on any other uh, uh, dried up uh, news gathering <laughs> institutes. We're planting gardens in the canals. <laughs> they just have a great low tide situation. Uh, the canals uh, are, are – in November, Venice experienced its highest water levels in more than 50 years. And what, what some said was a direct result of climate change, of course it was. Landmarks like St. Mark's Square were flooded. Shops and businesses had to close. The latest low tide, while exceptional, is not quite as unprecedented. The tides here mean water levels can vary by around a half a meter or sometimes even more. And that's where the story stops. Because it was all the BBC could do 
to uh, uh, to grant you the idea that, oh, by the way, those floods we were all panicked about two months ago, never mind. They're gone. Yeah, see ya. <laughs> Why don't we just leave nature alone? Come on. <laughs> I wonder what they would have said during the Dust Bowl years of the 30s. I just so happen that I know a website where you can go to pictures shot from an airplane way the hell up there of land. Mm-hmm. And I have I have photos of the family farm back in the 30s where they were actually planting crops in lake beds. Oh, yeah. That's how dry yeah. it was. Yeah. I mean, entire Jeez. lakes dried up to nothing, and they threw some crops out there and had pretty good success. I wonder what they'd say about that. It's I'm I'm trying to read explanations of this. Is it dizzying? It, oh, I, I don't have any idea what Johnny, do the about. math for us. What do you well, got? Well, What's your find? That's the thing. The math is they have formulas this long with letters and numbers and it's weird a, symbols. You're holding your arms at a yardstick length. Yeah, I have no idea what any of it means. Is that on purpose? What's it, a jewel? Yeah, that or they're just smarter. What the hell is a jewel? Well, I know Tom. He's, yeah, he's, he's a different. hell of a boat guy. Yes, he is. It's uh, we're into sextillions here, or is yeah. this jewel like uh, Mark Moeller jeweler? J O U L E. Oh, that's a, a way to to measure heat, right? Is that, oh, that correct? Apparently, I think two hundred and twenty-eight sextillion joules of heat. Yeah. I guess I'm supposed to be frightened. Spell it again. J O U J O U L E S. It's the joules of heat, unit of energy in the international system of units. It is equal to the energy transferred to an object when a force of one newton acts on that object in the direction of the force's motion through a distance of one meter. Oh, yeah. There are emailers who are going to hear this podcast and immediately begin typing. Let's go. Thank you. And I know they will because this has come up before. And I'm willing to do the work this time. But I, it's just too much for me. This this time. This time. <laughs> I did find something quite funny, though. Good catch, Kenny. On one of the websites, you, whether or not you agree with global warming or climate change, whatever we're calling it, right. there's a game called Cranky Uncle. Really? That tries to, where the cranky uncle comes up with some excuse about why it's not real, and then the game tries to tell you it is real. Am, am I the cranky uncle? <laughs> well, I wasn't going to say that, Joe, but... Is it okay if I call you Cranky Uncle Joe behind your back here <laughs> on, on other radio Joe. shows? Absolutely. Okay. Because I was going to call you good old Joe, G-O-J, but I like Cranky Uncle Joe no, let's better. keep it accurate. Let's keep it accurate. <laughs> cranky Uncle Joe. But this Abraham from St. Thomas, he's up in the ante. He says we're now at five to six bombs of heat each second. How many seconds in a 24 hours? Oh, that's math. Honest to God, why aren't we just when you, you people go to the Key West to look at the sunset? Why aren't they just seeing flames? All the studies I'm reading here say uh, they started all this in 1871. Then it was the equivalent just from normal stuff from to 1.5 bombs. Oh, wait a minute. Now Going it, back and, to when? 1871. From before because there of were the bombs. heat of the of the uh, yeah before there were bombs. <laughs> they didn't even have bombs then, in 1871. <laughs> and then it went. We were making up bombs. <laughs> they had those cartoon bombs, well, the big black right. round the, thing with the fuse. Bomb. <laughs> yeah. with the, uh, the big my, fuse on it. <laughs> according to my extremely accurate calculations, 24 hours is equal to 86,400 seconds. Now times that times times, times, times that times six. Yeah. 
Oh, <laughs> he just passed out. He's unconscious. Somebody told me. To God, how can we still be alive? Somebody told me the answer. So, no, eighty-six thousand four hundred times six. I wouldn't even be able to read that number. Five hundred eighteen thousand four hundred. You're dropping into the ocean every day, twenty-four hours. How many? Five hundred eighteen thousand four hundred. Four hundred bombs that destroyed Hiroshima. Yeah. Nope. Chenzo. Chenzo on that. I just had some they... cold. I just had a cold crab uh, appetizer down in Florida. How could, how could oh, the you, crab you, even it's existed? Your, it's probably your last one. The Maybe. next one will be very warm. Yeah. We need to start dropping ice cubes into the ocean. Oh, this is. <laughs> Would that work? <laughs> Maybe. I, you know, I don't but know. But here, 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 here. Let's look at this a different way to try to remain uh, somewhat sane. Uh I'm, I'm. We're going to uh, agree that Li Jing Cheng, yeah. uh, associate professor at the International Center for Climate and Environmental Sciences at the Chinese Academy of Sciences, is a qualified soul and knows what he's talking let's, about. Let's just okay. assume we're that. all going to agree yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And he is saying there are no reasonable alternatives for the heat increase, aside from the human emissions of heat-trapping gases, to explain this heating, Ching said, adding that to reach this temperature, the ocean would have taken in 228 sextillion joules of heat. The Hiroshima atom bomb exploded with an energy of about 63 sextillion joules, uh, Chang said, I did a calculation. The amount of heat we have put into the world's oceans in the past 25 years equals 3.6 billion Hiroshima atom bomb explosions. Okay, sir, I accept everything you've just told me. Now, but you, what you aren't telling me is, what does that mean? Right. We're here, aren't we? So far. What, what does that mean, sir? For a few more years. Because you, you've captured the scare tactic. Very well. Yeah. You got my attention with your atom bomb, all right? Because I grew up fearing the atom bomb and had to go downstairs under the school and eat saltine crackers and drink water out of a barrel. All right? I get all that. Or in school, what did they have you do? Head under get the under, desk. We're hiding under wood. <laughs> Love that. Flying cows. <laughs> Who's the great comedian? Uh, kindling. Lewis, it's uh, Lewis, Lewis Black. Lewis Black. We're hiding under we, kindling. They had us hide under kindling. <laughs> so I get the whole thing. You're talking. I'm ground zero. I'm your demographic to be alarmed by telling me that we've shot off 3.6 billion Hiroshima atom bombs in the ocean. Yeah. And I don't even hear a boom. I'll call this guy after the show, Abraham. Leave him another message. Uh, I would just, uh, I guess my main question to him is, okay, I buy all your numbers. Why are we still here? Yeah, right. That's the, the, Why are whales still living? The ice caps could not keep up with that amount of But that's heat. what we don't know. This is what we don't know. What does this mean? We need, we, we need a scientist on that team to put up with us, basically. Yeah. Somebody that will put up with us, that knows us, that knows we don't have hostility in our hearts because that guy is obviously thinks we're you know but this right. is this is one of those stories where uh it, it snowed as much to equal uh four million paper clips in an olympic-sized swimming pool Boom. what the hell does that mean right. what do we do where do we go with that 
Honest to God. <laughs> uh, honest to God. In the meantime, there you can go back to Venice. It's not flooded. Uh, nature worked itself out there <laughs> conveniently enough. And then I have great news. Uh, great news. Oh, I was going to say, uh, in in uh, in keeping with the warming of waters, uh, I've been reading a series in the Chicago Tribune. It's presumably going to be a five-part series. It's on the health of the Great Lakes. Oh. And uh, piece number one was Lake Erie. Okay. And yesterday was Lake Huron. Okay. And today there isn't an installment, so I don't know how the Tribune is spreading them out. There's five Great Lakes, right? Right. So I'm yes. imagining we're going to get five stories. The uh, And the whole premise of it is that the uh, Great Lakes are uh, in some ways – uh, threatened or affected or have been changed due to climate change. And, okay, I went into it with an open mind because I love the Great Lakes. I'm pro-Lake. Yep. So all I got out of the Lake Erie installment, which was the first one, is that they are suffering horrible, horrible toxic algae blooms to the point where in 2014, Toledo, Ohio, which gets its drinking water from Lake Erie, could not drink the water. You'd yeah. die. Well, and and but the cause of those toxic yeah. algae blooms well, is farm agricultural runoff, yeah, yeah, which mm. has been increasing. Well, what does that have to do with climate change? Right, it doesn't. They're just. I think it's two different. In my feeble mind, it's two different things anyway. And I too, very concerned about the health of our water and what man is doing right here on Earth. Uh, you know, and injecting uh, whatever into the leg. That, that's a big, huge concern for me. But you're right. What does, what does the warming And then the, uh, the Lake Huron uh, piece was uh, centered around uh, Manitoulin Island, uh, the largest island on Lake Huron. By the way, there are 35,000 islands in the Great Lakes. No kidding. 30,000 of them are in Lake Huron. Wow. That's oh, really? Yeah. I did not know that. And, and in the Native American people there are noting changes in the water, and they're, they're worried about invasive uh, fish, for example. Oh, that's another concern. Right. Yeah. But again, you know, 10 years ago we were told that global warming was causing Lake Superior to dry up, and now Lake Superior is at record highs. Uh, Venice was flooded two months ago. Now Venice is not flooded. Uh, if we just shut up, maybe nature will just work itself out. Uh, in any event, I'm going to keep reading the series. It's well done. Uh, but the whole premise by the reporter, Tony Briscoe, is that this is whatever he's telling you is, is climate change based. And I keep looking for that. And what we get is that vague, well, we're getting more rain, right, uh, right. you know. Causing runoff. Yeah, we're getting more rain than we used to. Fields, and, well, right. I, I, you know, I can right. go give you the sense winds that, you know, you had a lot of rain back in, you know. 1520. And there are no-till farming practices which reduce the amount of chemicals you throw down, which really does increase, which will really help with the runoff that goes into our water. But this health of the water, lakes, rivers, streams, etc., that to me, in my mind, is a solvable problem. That is something we could actually tackle and fix and bring these lakes and bodies of water. You've got to fix manure ponds, manure pits. Right. You've got to fix chemical runoff from chemical fields. Chemical runoff. Which is, it's, it's, sometimes it's just as simple as a buffer zone yep. between the tillable property and, and the ditch or the river. And I agree. That can be done. Yeah. It's that's, solvable. That's hard evidence. You can see right. it. You can build something. You can touch it. Right. You can handle it. Right. And the problem with no-till farming is that it's an expensive venture to get into, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's cost prohibitive. But what, what's the alternative 
to having those chemicals that are saving the food or, or keeping it safe, whatever they're growing, what's the what's the replacement if well, they can? I think first we want to start with the chemicals that they throw down okay. and using natural things like manure to fertilize fields. But you still have to deal with the weed problem, and then you have to uh, deal with the bugs, bugs etc. Okay. You know, and all the other crop eating. You know what issues. the farmers used to say when they smelled manure? I smell money. That's, they sell it. <laughs> to me, it's the smell of freedom because sell it. city folk don't like the smell of manure, and that keeps them keeps them in the city. <laughs> all of this, all of this doomsday news makes me think I better act on that Fiat 124 one of these days from Schmelz Brothers. Oh yeah, you countryside, out, bro. Country, countryside Volkswagen in Maplewood. Uh, get this: they're clearing out the 2019 Fiats with discounts up to five grand off on the 124 Spiders. I'm telling you, that's the closest you get. In the year 2020, Let's do it. to an old British roadster. Pull the trigger, people. Plus, these things, you know, the tops actually go up and down. <laughs> yeah, the windows, the windows. windows. How many working. people do have to help you uh, put the top up and down? <laughs> well, for the MG, I need about uh, five neighbors. And, uh, <laughs> it's like turning over a boat. <laughs> uh, this one, you sit in the driver's seat, you reach behind you, and you go, boop, it's nice. done. Nice. It's done. Uh, this is also, though, Countryside is also Volkswagen Alfa Romeo. Alfa Romeo 2019 clearance sale is the 2020 are around the corner, great selection, and they're having a sign-and-drive performance event where your first payment is waived on leasing a new Alfa Romeo. I'm driving the Stelvio. I've had no complaints. Winter is a non-factor. And I want you to mention uh, you hear, uh, you heard about Countryside on the GL podcast, and they'll sign you up to win a uh, $100 Blue Plate restaurant gift card. But there are three different websites, all under the one family-owned dealer, S-C-H-M-E-L-Z-V-W.com, SchmelzAlphaRomeo.com, SchmelzFiat.com. And those certified pre-owned Alphas right away, right now, they're coming with a five-year, 100,000-mile warranty from Alpha. So it takes the factory four-year 50K, and it bumps it to 5,100. And uh, 2020 Tiguans are on the ground and ready for delivery. This is a great variety of fun, passionate automobiles. Check them out at Countryside in Maplewood. I think we've lost John. I've never seen concentration. I, the I, 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 the problem is I've been doing it for 20 minutes. I still have no right. idea. Well, actually, I, he, I see what he's on. He's on dictionary.com trying to properly pronounce bomb, bomb. is what he's doing. Bomb. There's no A in there. All right, we're going to come back, and you tell us what your research on this is done. Oh, God. But Kenny Olsen, if he's here, jump up and down. It's the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Souchere. Well, that was weak. I couldn't hear it. Couldn't hear what? Somebody said Kenny Olsen? This song is for... Listen. This next song is about Kenny Olsen. If he's here, jump up and down. I don't think I did. Is that really about you? Yeah. Yeah. From a... September 5th, 1992, what we dubbed Soul Man Slam Fest. Big backyard warming up the magnolias in the uh, caboose, and we sold the joint out. And the reason we're playing it is because the lead uh, guitar and singer, the guy we just heard, passed away last week no. at the uh, at the tender age of, I don't know, 49, 49. 50, 50 years old. A great guy. Uh, but I'm not here to talk about that. First, I have to uh, I have to get something straight in my mind. 
that happened yesterday. Such when I'm driving home, I'm never ashamed of what I said because it's my job to be a dumbass. (laughs) What I'm ashamed of, I I know, I, I think I excel at it. Thank you very much. What I'm ashamed about is what I didn't say, and that's what always plagues me. And that happened yesterday, and you asked a, what are you looking for? My pencil. But go ahead. Don't let it bother you. I can't do this if you're not paying attention. You asked a perfectly innocent question. It was a good question, and I'm afraid I gave you the brush off. It was regarding um, it was regarding somebody being new to handguns, not owning a firearm, and wanting to take the class to carry. On their behalf, I just merely wondered, do you need to own a gun? And no, you don't. And uh, what you need to do is contact minnesotagunclass.com slash GL. Tell them you're new to it. Tell them you don't have a firearm. And first and foremost, you just want to learn to shoot. They have a class for that uh, for all of you, and we'll work with you on how to acquire a firearm to practice with on the on the range. Don't be afraid to approach these guys, no matter what your skill level is. And actually, there's a really good video you can watch on minnesotagunclass.com slash GL on all topics related to shooting. Now, if and when it comes time for you to acquire your very first handgun or firearm, Boy, do I have the shot uh, shop for you. It's dkmags.com. They're the place. They've got a location in New Brighton, a second location up in Monticello, Pond and Gun. Did you find a pencil? Nope. Rook, I'm go, not looking. Rook, go get him a pencil. He's, him he's driving me crazy. Uh, it just so happens that I know a gal who was new to firearms a few years ago. She needed to acquire a couple of handguns because she was going to take the class to carry. And she bought a couple of guns from the guys at dkmags.com. And I think it was that experience that turned me on to them, and I have been a very happy uh, customer ever since, no matter what your need for firearms is, from range guns, hunting guns, carry guns, and all the accoutrements. Uh, let the record show Joe Ooh, now has two pencils. Uh, anything you need firearms related, you got to go to dkmags.com. They're swell guys. They're ready to help. Uh, and GLers, I know you're going to make fun of me for for not doing it myself, but I need a bunch of slings installed. I need that little thing that you hook the sling to drilled into my stock. I'm just going to bring them up to dkmags.com and let a pro do it because I've never drilled a straight hole in my life. Anyway, uh, the guys at DK Mags, there are people. They're GLers. dkmags.com in Monticello, Pun and Gun. John, you've been researching... What calculations well, on joules yeah. of heat? Yeah, well, I've been. Researching I don't think it's. A, I think we can handle it. The proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences of the United States of America. Go to that and try and read it. And if you can make any sense of it, you're a far better Hold person on, than I. You have two pencils. I know. I just stop I, looking for the other one. Definitely wants to find a third. You have two. Definitely, definitely missed John, my first pencil. John, stop looking for the pencil. <laughs> <laughs> Let's continue with our uh, winter survival story, shall we? Yeah. Uh, and again, is this are these examples of man losing sight of his relationship with nature, or are these young people that might know what they're doing? Uh, two teenage snowboarders rescued Monday from the Canadian backcountry had burned their homework to stay warm through the night after getting lost in poor weather conditions. The boys, both 16, failed to return from their Sunday snowboarding outing in the Whitewater Ski Resort near Nelson in southern British Columbia. Nelson Search and Rescue said in a news release, a 10-member ground team patrolled the roads overnight, but their efforts to attract the teens to safety by shining lights were unsuccessful. A helicopter was dispatched on Monday morning to help ground teams in the search along the backcountry. Rescuers found the boys at 8.45 a.m. in the Quaw Valley, just south of the resort, and flew them to safety. 
The boys were rescued during a break in snowy weather that allowed a helicopter uh, to uh, spot them. Jim Kyle, uh, manager of Nelson Search and Rescue, told the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation that the boys were extremely lucky that the snowy weather conditions let up long enough to allow the use of a helicopter. He added that the lost teens did all the right things. They built a fire to stay warm. One young person had homework in his backpack, and that definitely helped keep the fire going, Kyle said. Uh, Corporal Jesse O'Donohue, Royal Canadian Mounted Police Southeast District Media Relations Officer, shared details on the boys' overnight survival against the elements with the Nelson Daily. We are told that the pair had the wherewithal to construct a shelter and build a fire, and more importantly, stay put and wait for help. Both boys appeared in good health at the time of the rescue. It's fantastic, and I, I don't think they've lost touch. I think they're uh, because they did the proper you know, many proper things you know, to. I, I think they did it. And right. you'll recall the note from Jay yesterday about building the Quincy and challenging Kenny to join yeah. them. He writes yeah. again, Joe, you read my snow cave camping challenge for Kenny on the podcast, but since your fact based show, I felt I had to follow up. You referred to us as being young and fit, and that's why we do things like go winter camping in snow forts. Yeah, we we assume that, I yeah. guess. As for being fit, well, that's open to interpretation. I did include a picture of the beer we hiked up to the top of the mountain, after all. As for being young, I'm 52, and the other guys in the group are all around 50 as well. I've never gotten a very good handle on how many years Tractor Boy Olsen has survived so far. Why does he hate me so much? I don't know, but I'd be surprised if it's less than 50. I think that puts (laughs) us pretty solidly in the middle of the GL crew's slightly creaky demographic. We're basically geezers. Kidding aside, none of us are exactly the picture of outdoor gusto, youth, and skill. We just enjoy a challenge a few times a year, and having a few days go by at the speed of the sun is a way to keep things in perspective. That's why we head out to the Superior Trail, Isle Royal, or Colorado once in a while to see what happens out there. And anyone can do it. Rain, wind, sun, snow, and altitude will keep you happy for the things you have once you get back to them. We don't always build Quincy's, by the way. The picture I attached this time shows a canvas tent we hauled onto Clearwater Lake in the BWCA a couple of years back and is probably one of my favorite pictures from our trips. The tent comes equipped with a wood-burning stove about the size of a small cooler, which disassembles so it can be packed in. The second and more nitpicky fact is Kenny's comments about the lack of air at 14,000 feet. In reality, it's a bit thin, but there's plenty of it. Now, it's true that folks can be affected by the altitude of 14,000, and one of the fellows in our group sometimes is. But we've climbed several mountains over 14,000 feet in the Rockies, Long's Peak, Mount Massive, and on this last trip, the highest peak in Colorado, Mount Elbert. You're never too old to refresh your relationship with nature. I'd encourage anyone out there who might be thinking about it to throw a pack on and head into the woods for a couple of days. Hmm. Colorado gets a lot of publicity, but Minnesota is a stunningly beautiful state in every season, and being out in it can make for some unforgettable days. Jay. Hmm. I think Jay has wise counsel, doesn't he? Sounds like it would would be fun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm going to stay with nature because I continually am fascinated by nature. Uh, CNN again, the same story that reported the oceans are exploding at the rate of six bombs a second. Uh, Some trees can live for centuries or even millennia, and scientists are only now beginning to realize how. Researchers examined growth rings from inside the trunks of 34 healthy ginkgo trees in two Chinese provinces, Jiangsu and Hubei. The trees range in age from 15 to 16 to 667 years old. Uh, The ginkgos don't stop growing as they age. 
And uh, it goes on to say that there are trees on Earth that could be 5,000 years old. How could they have survived all the man-made global warming, I wonder? Maybe yeah, those ginkgos are tough. And those are the ones that drop your uh, bark stink, bombs. Don't they? Yeah. No. yeah. Uh, it's fantastic. We, uh, ginkgo trees are native to China and are known for their distinctive fan-shaped leaves that turn buttery yellow in the fall. Uh, besides their longevity, fossils of the species date back to the time of the dinosaurs. They're listed as endangered in the wild, but the maidenhair tree, as the ginkgo also known, is found in many parks and gardens across the world. Some ginkgos are thought to be as old as 3,000 years. Wow. But that doesn't make them the world's oldest tree. That honor goes to a bristlecone pine found in the White Mountains of California, which is approximately 5,000 years old. Wow. wow. My goodness. Isn't that wonderful news? That's that's fantastic. They How could that adapt. be? How could that be? Because nature adapts. There you go. <laughs> we're we're, line, we're bombing adapts. the ocean. Jets are flying over. <laughs> One a second, they're the dropping ocean, six right. bombs. <laughs> Boom. Oh. Why don't we come back with uh, what I would call Johnny Heights news. Okay. Another one that just went in the Pacific. Another one. Here's a man who spends hours in hardware stores, sifting through the nuts and bolts of life. Joe Souchere. Here's John Height. Thanks, Joe. I, you know, I, I want to point out, you guys will all be happy that my kid sent four new bumps last night. Unfortunately, he sent them to the guy that's not here today. So, oh, so he should, we should, we have those by October, huh? <laughs> tomorrow. Reavers had a uh, family situation. Yes. Yeah, so everything's tomorrow. fine, but he's he'll be back tomorrow. He'll be back tomorrow. A sports note before we get to the news. The final college football rankings are now out now that the college season is over. The University of Minnesota football team ends up in the 10th spot in the Associated Press's final poll of the season. The AP Top 25 poll started in 1936, uh, finishing 10th on the list, the highest ranking for the Gophers since it ranked 10th at the end of the 19th. 62 season, wow. according to U of M officials. That uh, game last night took too long. I didn't make it till the end. It's, I didn't either. They got to do something. That's too late. It's just ridiculous. Well, the problem, part of the reason it takes so long is they the clock stops at those first downs. I mean, that that's a huge thing if the clock isn't going on those first well, it downs. It takes too oh. long because refs take too long and the commercials are too long. And, and, and a lot of points. The other bad college thing, halftime is a half an hour. Why? For what reason? Well, in that game, it is. Do it ten minutes. No, every every college oh. game I watch this year was at least twenty minutes. Ooh, and, yes. and the Trumper and his wife arrived. They were there. Is that where he? Uh, is that where he got caught shaking hands with Vince Vaughn? I have yeah. that. Just a yeah. minute. I got to tell you about <laughs> there's, that. There's Twitter shaming going on yes. today. No, Vince Vaughn's been canceled. He's he's out. Now. He's out of the club. He's, he's no out longer of the leftist funny. club because no well, he had the audacity to talk ne- to Trump. He's never been a lefty, so why would the lefties? Uh, well, they were laying him? off him until now. Now he's now he can't talk to him. They did the God. same thing with Ellen a, a month or so That's ago right. when she had the audacity to talk to Trump. Yeah. These people are anonymous fools Bush. living in their basements. I think that was Bush. Bush. But Ellen oh, also. Bush, right. Ellen I'm, sorry, also, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Stop the Facebook hate. Yeah, I'm sorry. We're going to turn into Johnny Height here. It was Bush. Jeez. But Ellen got out in front of that and said, Bleep knock you. it off. Right. Yeah, this is BS. I almost swore. In, uh, in news, a newly released staff study by the St. Paul Police Department shows the department needs to add 104 employees 
to achieve proper staffing for current needs. The study conducted by 29-year-old veteran Commander Jack Serrier after Police Chief Todd Axtell requested it in January 2019. The study focused on identifying major themes affecting the department's workload and service levels, including staffing levels, work culture, employee wellness, processes used by department units, business practices, and procedural outcomes. The report indicated the goal was to determine how to best staff the department and meet current city needs and identified the challenges facing St. Paul Police. It recommends adding 103.5 full-time positions, about 80%, which would be officers, in addition to hiring civilian employees. Obviously, in the current administration, that's probably not going to happen. Nope, they need the money for uh, other things. Tuesday morning, parts of the Mississippi River and the North Metro began leveling off after an ice jam in Anoka County caused it to rise rapidly. The ice jam caused major problems for those who live near the river. While the water level hasn't increased, it also hasn't uh, decreased as quickly as it rose. From Sunday into Monday, parts of the river rose 8 feet caught a lot of uh, folks off guard. In fact, residents of an apartment complex near the river woke up to find their vehicles stuck in partially frozen water. That would be uh, not good. The Anoka police chief said normally ice jams break up naturally. He added at least at one point the river was at 13 feet. Were you flooded, John? No, I'm not not that close to there. So uh, that's about a foot over flood stage. As of Tuesday morning, the river was closer to 12 and a half How did this one break up? Natural or it hasn't yet. It's, oh, it's not completely broken up. Oh, so they're hoping it. Uh, the rest of it does. We need today. one. Maybe the ocean could spare just one bomb, <laughs> one atomic bomb. Yeah. How much does that cost? Who do we have to pay? It's a. I don't think we're paying for them. Okay, just, they're just happening. Yeah. <clears throat> TSA and the Minneapolis-St. Paul International Airport are investigating a traveler's complaints of Oof. what they're calling inappropriate behavior by an airport security guard. You got that for me, Such? Yeah, oh yeah. Tara. <laughs> Tara Hauska, a Native American activist born in Minnesota, took to Twitter to address the incident. In the tweet, she talked about her experience with security on Monday. According to the tweet, she said the agent told her she needed to pat down her braids. One of the tweets said she pulled them behind my shoulders, laughed, and said, giddy up, as she snapped my braids like reins. Hauska went on to say, my hair is part of my spirit. I'm a Native woman. I'm angry, humiliated. Your fun hurt. The airport issued an apology to Hoska on the social media platform. Both uh, MSP and TSA tweeted that they will look into the incident. Our local uh, affiliate down here, TV station KSTP, reached out to Hoska and the Minneapolis-St. Paul International Airport for comment, uh, but have not yet heard back. Common sense would say, do not do that. Don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Authorities in Becker County are looking into an incident where a man pulled a woman over in her vehicle and impersonated a law enforcement officer. This terrifies me. Mm-hmm. According to a release from the Becker County Sheriff's Office, the woman was driving on Highway 7 north of Lake Park when a vehicle in front of her activated white and blue lights on the rear window of the vehicle. Oh, boy. The woman pulled over because she thought she was being stopped by an officer. Sheriff's Office said the man approached her vehicle, told her she had a broken light. The man asked for ID and asked her to step out of the vehicle. Oh, boy. Because the man did not appear to be a law enforcement officer, the woman asked to see his credentials. At that time, the man then went back to his vehicle, described only as a white Jeep, and drove off. The man described as being between 25 and 30 years of age with a goatee. The time of the incident, he was wearing a black winter hat and a dark jacket with what appeared to be a radio microphone on the lapel of his jacket. Oh, great. He's a talk show host. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> 
Doing a bit. I'm just doing a bit. Anyone who has information regarding the incident is asked to contact the Becker County Sheriff's Office. Is this office. up uh, Alec Way? No, Becker County. Or Douglas. What, what town? Park something? Uh, Lake, Lake Park. Lake Park. Isn't that uh, west of Alec? Lake Park? Never heard of it. Hmm, I have. I almost want to draw up there somewhere to look at a car. Of well, course. Then it's up by Detroit Lakes. So. Detroit Lakes, yeah. yeah. The House is preparing to vote Wednesday to send the articles of impeachment against President Trump to the Senate. Speaker Nancy Pelosi meeting privately Tuesday at the Capitol with House Democrats about the next steps, ending her blockade of almost a month after they vote to, uh, voted to impeach Trump on charges of abuse of power and obstruction of justice. It is uh, north west of Detroit Lakes. Yep, I know where it is. Got it. With President Trump facing that impeachment trial over his efforts to pressure Ukraine to investigate former Vice President Joseph Biden and his son Hunter, Russian military hackers have been hacking into the Ukrainian gas company at the center of the whole thing, according to security experts. The hacking attempts against Burisma, the Ukrainian gas company on whose board Hunter Biden served, began in early November as talk of the Bidens, Ukraine and impeachment was dominating the news in the U.S., Still not clear what the hackers found or precisely what they were looking for, but the experts say the timing and scale of the attacks suggest the Russians could be looking for potential embarrassing material on the Bidens. Same kind of information the president wanted from Ukraine when he pressed for an investigation of the Bidens and Burisma, setting off the chain of events that led to his impeachment. The Russian tactics, according to the experts, are pretty much the same as what American intelligence agencies say was Russia's hacking of emails from Hillary Clinton's campaign chairman and the Democratic National Committee during the last campaign. In that case, once they had the emails, the Russians used trolls to spread and spin the material and built an echo chamber to widen its effect. Then, as now, the Russian hackers from a military intelligence unit known formally as the GRU used so-called phishing emails that appear designed to steal surnames and passwords, according to ARCA-1, the Silicon Valley security firm that uh, detected the hacking. Governor Greg Abbott of Texas has presented the state's highest civilian honor to that 71-year-old man who shot and killed a gunman who opened fire at a church in December. Abbott on Monday gave Jack Wilson the Governor's Medal of Courage. Uh, Wilson, if you don't remember the story, is a firearms instructor who trained the West Freeway Church of Christ volunteer security team. He shot the attacker once in the head after the gunman opened fire with a shotgun in the church's sanctuary. Wilson said, I don't feel like I killed an individual. I feel like I killed evil. That's how I'm approaching it, and that's how I'm processing it. a boy. Mm-hmm. Two victims who died were Antone Wallace and Richard White. Many praised Wilson for his quick actions that prevented more victims. Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick said on the day of the shooting, the church had its own security team, well-trained. Authorities later identified the attacker as 43-year-old Keith Kanunen, who had a history of criminal and psychological trouble. That was a long shot, too, for a handgun. Another hero story, a Nebraska man being hailed as a hero after jumping into action to save the lives of three men whose car landed upside down in an icy pond and they couldn't get out. Terry Ingram was out taking pictures of eagles in Bellevue, Nebraska on Saturday when he witnessed a white sedan lose control while crossing railroad tracks, hit a fire hydrant, then land upside down in the ice-cold pond. Mm. Ingram said, the car just came right in front of me. They hit the fire hydrant. I don't think they even touched the ground. They were already airborne. Wow. He heard the men screaming for help from inside the car and jumped into action. He said, I panicked when I heard the guy's voice. He was yelling, get me out. It's filling full of water. Once I pulled the door open, the water had started going in, and he was coming out. Just seeing those bodies there, I thought they were already goners. Ingram dove into the freezing water, managed to pull one of the car doors open, 
said once he pulled the door open, the water, oh, he already said that, never mind. Ingram was able to pull the three men out of the overturned and submerged vehicle and help to drag them to shore. Two of the men were taken to Nebraska Medicine with non-life-threatening injuries. Ingram said he was lucky just to be in the right place at the right time. He said God puts people in places for a reason. Let's let's get serious here for a moment and try to come up with a very understandable analogy. I can't shake these six bombs a second going off in the oceans. Mm-hmm. Okay, what what would be let's make something analogous. A uh, a backyard swimming pool and firecrackers? No. A backyard swimming pool uh, full of cold water. And then you have to dump hot ice cubes into it. Hot ice there cubes? There being no such thing. Uh, yeah, you know, M80s. Yeah, how, how many M80s would you have to dump into a swimming pool of 32-degree uh, water before it warmed up to appreciably? Oh, never mind. I, it's just so silly <laughs> to tell me that six bombs are going off every second. It just it can't be it can't be meaningful, no, or we I, wouldn't be here. Yeah. I have a bushel, bin, bushel basket. It's a steel bushel thing. It's the, it's the equivalent of one bushel, which is about, if I remember right, seven gallons. I've got it full of water to the top. Yeah. When I've got the forge going, I'm using it all day. And by the end of the day, the water in that thing is warm. Yeah. Not, not too hot that I can't put my hand in it. But... I'm putting red hot, like say, uh, railroad spikes in it that are actually glowing orange yeah. And, yeah. and quenching them. And, and I'll bet you it takes twenty of those hmm. to warm it up. That's seven, about seven gallons or so. Why are you heating up railroad spikes? Now you mind your own business. Oh. It's the only analogy. Your own tracks I think to get I know. Yeah. It's the only analogy. <laughs> James J. Hill. Yeah. The only thing I can come up with. Yeah. I, I just. Uh, I hope this guy from St. Thomas will join us. Are you making reindeer out of those spikes? Maybe adding a piece of wood and some... Anyway, John. Yeah, uh, this story I, makes me chuckle. I'm sorry. I, it's not funny, but... Did somebody die? It, they didn't, but somebody got arrested. Yeah. An elderly masked man was arrested for allegedly robbing a bank at gunpoint. 86-year-old Gilbert Ware, who was born before World War II, had entered a bank in Greenville, South Carolina... Just after 9.30 in the morning on Monday, he brandished a firearm, demanded, shocked employees hand over money. Employees complied with his demands, handed over the undisclosed sum of money, where proceeded to get back into his car, moving slowly, but managed a less-than-speedy getaway. Officers from the Greenville Police Department caught up with the man minutes later, just a few blocks away. He was arrested. <laughs> Fire. I'm sorry, too. Rick, Rick finds sorry, it funny yeah. the same way right, I do. Right. Because I just see a guy. Well, well there's some sad I story. See Tim be- Conway, you know. Well, there's just some sad story behind this. Well, I felt is. it unnecessary I, to point I, out that he was born before World War II. <laughs> that, that didn't help me much. A firearm used in the robbery was recovered as well as the stolen money. That's 15 years older than a guy I know. Good friend of mine. He's been charged with bank robbery, but more charges are expected to be made. No injuries were reported. But I don't think he's going to have to resort to robbery. So what went wrong in... <laughs> well, maybe. Well, well, never what, know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't be so sure. What went wrong in Grandpa's life? I mean, was he well, not able to I don't make have ends meet? He was probably going, sure probably going very, hungry. Yeah, probably, thanks, Kenny. Probably something really He was probably a drug mule, and uh, his bosses were after the money. 
Oh, I hadn't, well, I hadn't thought of that, Clint Eastwood. Yeah. My backstory was Kenny's that it was probably very sad and he couldn't, you know, feed himself or anybody left in his family. Well, hell, he could barely drive. As long as we're going to take it there, let's take it all the way down. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thank you, John. You bet. This guy wears many hats, just not indoors. The floodwaters didn't hit uh, Mancetti, did they, up your way? They did not. Uh, They're doing well. As a matter of fact, last week, uh, my wife and my birthdays are both this week. What? Yeah, so we decided to do a birthday uh, supper, sorry, supper last week. And uh, we went there. I ordered some food from Greg, Greg uh, Tigan. He's the uh, owner of Mancetti. He's owned it for 34 years. And uh, we got uh, she got the rigatoni, the baked rigatoni, which is her favorite, along with the cheese bread and a big meatball right in the middle. Rigatoni comes with homemade sauce. All our homemade sauces are incredibly wonderful. The meatball is homemade. Uh, they put it together themselves. Very, very good. I got my favorite, the Papa Mancetti's Pizza. Ate almost the whole damn thing in Johnny one city. Cake. Yeah, Canadian bacon, American bacon, yellow banana peppers, green olives, and onions all on a pizza, and it's incredibly wonderful. Uh, they'll make you any kind of pizza you want. To. I thought you were watching your health. Well, I, that's the greatest know, meal in history. At Mancetti's, you don't. You that's just the greatest pizza out. in history. It's a birthday dinner. That's true. I get to do that's whatever true. I want. That's, that's true. Tonight, dinner. I'm celebrating my sister Teresa's birthday, Johnny Height's birthday. <laughs> Are you like Carol Shelby when he raced? You just pop a nitro pill in before you walk into <laughs> Mancetti's. I, I keep them in. My pocket. Let's put it that way. I've had said he's at 3603 Round Lake Boulevard. That's about a mile north of Highway 10. Uh, it's right where Anoka and Andover meet. Uh, you can't miss it's right now. Man, I wish it was closer. Oh, to me, it's, it's so good. Maybe a little satellite Mancetti. So maybe you should come up and visit me. You guys drive on up. You yeah, know, can you can I hang out? Come in the house for a little bit. In the house. You're over there on Main, right? We'll go pick, pick up some food. We'll go back you to my place. You got a pool there, a pond. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a pool. Sorry. Yeah, a pond would be good for you. Anyway, Mancetti's Pizza and Pasta, it's uh, it's as good as meal as you're going to find up there. Everything homemade. And uh, it's at 3603 Round Lake Boulevard, uh, mile north of Highway 10. Right at the corner of Anoka. Are you uh, you and the wife? Are are you the same age? No, I am. Uh, I am four years older than she is. Is that okay? Does that meet your requirements? Uh, that's so fine. I'm actually looking on the map right now for Mancetti's. No, it's easy to find. You can't yeah, miss it. Yeah. I got right a new GL way. hero. Yeah, you do? new GL hero. A new dad in Nebraska. A dad of triplets. Okay. Has invented a genius way to clean his triplets baby bottles. <laughs> he has attached a scrub brush to his power drill. <laughs> Very clever. Errol Peterson, a parent to seven-month-old triplets, was caught demonstrating his new technique by wife Christy, who recently shared footage of her husband's idea on Facebook. I come home from grocery shopping to this, Christy wrote, alongside footage of Errol cleaning the bottles in the sink. See, it works beautifully, he tells Christy, who can only manage to say, I can't, before Errol cuts her off. <laughs> Smarter, not harder, bro. Errol tells his wife, <laughs> the clip which has been uploaded, which was uploaded to Facebook on January 7th, which is a week ago today, has since been viewed 7.7 million times. Respect. Boy, people are bored, aren't they? Wow. Errol and Christy welcomed their triplets in June, and that gives them baby duty nonstop. We feed them seven times a day, every three hours, so that's 21 bottles, Errol said. After doing dishes for as long, I got tired of doing 
uh, one after another by hand. So I thought, you know what? I wonder if this will fit the drill. So I put it in the chuck, and it worked. And I watched the film of it. It's fantastic. Uh, Christy added that even though she was surprised enough to start filming, she wasn't really all that surprised by Errol's baby bottle idea. He does crazy stuff like this all the time, the new mom said. It's never a dull moment with him. Lady, that's because he's a GL guy. Yeah. He figured something out. <laughs> he's thinking. It's just fantastic. Remember the... Uh, Axeman breast pump. Axeman breast pump. Hell right? yes. Yep. Yeah, that's GL. <laughs> that's what pe- uh, people nowadays call a life hack. Yeah. Yeah. You know we have something now called the Space Force? Yeah. Uh, and they're going to do what, John? Well, they're going to... It's an uh, Air Force uh, deal. Yeah, they're going to end up going to Mars, although the moon first. They're going to go to the moon in, what, eight years? They want to be back there? Well, the blessing uh, of the Space Force uh, ran into some trouble. The uh, The blessing of what's being called the official Bible for the new U.S. Space Force at the Washington National Cathedral on Sunday drew an outpouring of criticism uh, and condemnation from a prominent religious freedom advocacy group, because they had the the audacity to use a Bible. The Military Religious Freedom Foundation condemns, in as full-throated a manner as is humanly possible, the shocking and repulsive display of only the most vile, exclusivist, fundamental Christian supremacy. The uh, military founder and president, Mikey Weinstein, wrote, How do I take a guy seriously if his name is Mikey? <laughs> Mikey. Mikey. Hey, Mikey. Hey, Mikey. Hey, Mikey. <laughs> he was denouncing the Bible blessing, the utilization of a Christian Bible to swear in commanders of the new Space Force or any other Department of Defense branch at any level is completely violative. I'm not sure that's a word of the bedrock separation of church and state mandate of the First Amendment. Hey, moron it has nothing to do with the First Amendment. Nothing. In a tweet Sunday, the Washington National Cathedral posted a statement describing the Bible that was blessed during a morning service as a Space Force official Bible, which will be used to swear in all commanders of America's newest military branch. Well, aren't we founded on Judeo-Christian principles? Yes, 100%. Boy, are they under attack. They are just under attack. Constantly. The presence of a Bible does not violate anything to do in in the Constitution. Uh, I don't want to read the rest. The hell what's with the, those fruitcakes. What's the Woody Allen line? <laughs> I always a carry bu- a Bible in my pocket in case somebody shoots a bullet at me. <laughs> no, I always carry, carry a, bullet a bullet in my bullet. pocket in case yeah. somebody shoots a Bible oh, at me. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> you really got to go out of your way to be offended by that. I mean, yeah. How do you even work up the gumption to right. give a rat's behind? Well, how do you work up the gumption to say that the presence of the vial, I'm sorry, the presence of the Bible uh, is shocking and repulsive. Yeah, jeez. Well, and then, okay, so then, then to go home, think of all the stuff you have to do when you go home and things are going on, to take the extra time to have to get in touch with someone or file a complaint. No, you go home and the kid says, hey, Dad, can we go sledding? And you go, wait a minute, i got, I got to write something first. Yeah, I've got to write right. something first. Fire off <laughs> I'm shocked, I'm shocked and revulsed. Right. <laughs> this shouldn't surprise anybody. And it's another lesson for GLers in how carefully you must disseminate your own news. Mm-hmm. The news that CNN had decided to settle the high-profile $250 million defamation lawsuit filed by Covington Catholic High School student Nick Sandman mm-hmm. was completely ignored by ABC, CBS, MSNBC, and 
NBC, according to the Media Research Center. Shame. None Can you imagine them story? ignoring any other $250 million defamation lawsuit? No. If it, if it, if it involves someone from the club, for example? No. Yeah, I was just thinking, was it in their best interest to ignore it? Are they involved in lawsuits? Well, that's, that's well, a point. That, that could be. <laughs> the settlement was significant and should impact outcomes of a variety of other defamation suits that stem from Sandman and his classmates being swept up in a controversy after a 2019 video clip depicted the MAGA hat-wearing students smiling at Native American Nathan Phillips. The man was beating a drum and singing a chant. He was surrounded by Sandman's peers who had joined in the chant in front of his death. Okay. Uh, okay, you're right. Several mainstream media outlets, including CNN, portrayed the incident with Sandman and the other teens as being racially charged before additional footage surfaced and showed that a group of black Hebrew Israelites had provoked the confrontation. All three networks first covered the students' confrontation with Phillips, but now they're backing down. It very well could be that, C, uh, that uh, CNN, for example, has been told by their lawyers to not say anything. Hmm. Or my... Cynical mind was thinking they just don't want to draw attention to this sort of incident and 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 this because they don't want lawsuits against themselves. Failing to report CNN settlement isn't the first. T- Wait a minute. Uh, no, it was CNN who settled. Correct. Right. So the, these other outlets have no reason to not have reported it. Right. Except, like you said initially. They're in the club, yeah. and they don't want to draw attention to this sort of this sort of thing. Thinking that possibly uh, they his, could his be. team would say, "We got CNN; they said let's go to ABC, right?" Or and, or uh, things like this in the future. And you know, I just so. looked it up. He also was suing like NBC, like he's suing NBC for two hundred seventy-five mil. Good. Uh, so I don't think they're going to sue an ABC, CBS, The Guardian, The Huffington Post, yeah. NPR, Slate, The Hill, and Gannett, which owns the Cincinnati Inquirer, as well as miscellaneous so, other small media outlets. So none of them are going to report it. Uh, separate lawsuits against The Washington Post and NBC have already been filed. Go, kid. In, in fact, yeah. Joe, I'd kind of have to call that a non-story. Sorry. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not calling that a non-story. Well, nobody's going to report well, it if but, they're being sued. But they're they're failing to report on on one of the most significant defamation lawsuits of the year. But they they're being sued. Too well, much. sure, because they're they don't want to uh, uh, go to the bathroom in their own house. <laughs> I want That's something like to, that. Yeah. Close enough. I'd like to see though. On bed, I think, Joe. I know. I know. We won't get the uh, <laughs> bed or whatever it is. <laughs> monetary amount, but I, I want to see where this kid parties though. If he buys an island, he's going to have so much money. <laughs> I, I know I learned, certainly learned a valuable lesson, and I, I thought I was, I had a pretty smart approach to the news, but no, I was completely, completely hoodwinked. Hail the flashlight king! Hail you! My wife and I, both 36, have been listening to the show since we were kids. However, now that it is in podcast form, I am adamant that I do not miss a second. Therefore, I'm always about two weeks behind the actual show. First, I will say that your sponsors are getting what they paid for. There's little chance that I would have gone out of my way to find Grunhoffers and stocked up on a packs of bratwurst. For some reason, we were talked into the gummy bear brats and Old Man Delicious. Also, I had just run out of coffee a few days ago and therefore decided to order some of the Spoon Lake blend from the coffee grounds. Thank you. Uh, Kenny, now that I purchased something, am I still going to have to pay you for a conversation or does that come with the coffee? <laughs> no, no. Uh, we have been to anytime. Jazz Cafe for numerous events over the years and having you guys advertise for them is worth its weight in gold. Is All you need to do is to get someone in the door once and they will become frequent return customers. 
Mancetti's is next on our list. We are continuously looking to frequent the sponsors of the show as we love you guys. Yes, even you, Kenny, so that you will continue to make the podcast for years to come. Sponsors, take note. Their ads really do work. Okay, now that I've done your job for you (laughs) and secured future advertising business, I am requesting a mayoral ruling. My wife and I have our second child, a girl, on the way. We are arguing over the spelling of her name. Mm. First off, this is all a moot point if the proposed name is Foghornable. We aren't having a kid with a goofy name, especially if we are going to end up with the old Duluth double. We are going with the name Hannah. Oh. Hannah. One spelled without the H, one spelled with. Here's where the argument is. Is there an H at the end of the name or not? I will present you with both of our arguments for each spelling and have both agreed that the mayoral ruling will be final. Wow. I feel a great weight on my shoulders to name this child. Yeah, you do. Holy cow. One of us believes it should include the H at the end as this is the traditional U.S. spelling of the name. It is also the spelling that is found in the Bible. That spelling being traditional in the U.S. is likely to be misspelled or mispronounced if we go with the H, if we go without the H as she grows up. The other one believes that there should be no H at the end because it is a needed silent letter and does not want their kid to have the name has the same uh, spelling as Hannah Montana, uh, played oh, by Miley Cyrus. No, no, don't, don't, don't worry about that. Uh, the spelling with the H creates a palindrome. For yes. dummies one and two, that's where the no. word is spelled the same, both backwards and forwards. Yeah, oh, it's so cool. The that's... spelling without the H is Hebrew for goddess of life, grace, and favor, and is used in many European countries as a traditional spelling, including countries of the baby's heritage on both sides of the family. To qualify that, one of the countries of her heritage can considers Hannah, without the H, a last name. There are reasons. There, Thus are the reasons. What say, Mayor? Uh, well, I'm going to tell you right now. Yeah. You don't live in Europe, pal. You live in this country. You're going with the H. I think I like the H. H-A-N-N-A-H. Like that ruling. Some people go with H-A-N-A. Well, they're not that far off there. But two H's, two A's, two N's, that's awesome. Hannah, H-A-N-N-A-H. Let me get a... I have never met... Got the official. I just ruled. <laughs> I have never met a Hannah that hasn't been cool. Yeah. Like Daryl Hannah? Did that guy mention Hannah Barbera? Yeah. Did he mention uh, Groundhoggers? Uh, yeah, he said Hannah. One of the first things they're going to do is go up and get her a rookie burger, and then they're going to get a nice. I don't Try tip roast. I don't remember that part of. You're talking yeah. about uh, Grunhoffers. Grunder. Let's go. Old fashioned meats in Hugo. It's in the north end of Hugo on Highway 61. It's the meat palace of the world. It's Garage Logic's go-to meat emporium. Beef brisket, bacon and blue cheese burgers, choice bone-in and boneless prime rib roast, double smoked hams, choice tenderloin, smoked salmon, lamb chops, and roast pickled herring. Give them a call if you want. Maybe they'll set you up with something so that when you get in. It'll be ready for you, 651-426-2800. But the specialty of the house, what put them on the map, are those 130 flavors of brats, lean pork brats that must be grilled. Another weekend coming up, yep. great football. The divisional yep. the divisional titles are coming up. Get to uh, Gronhofer's Old Fashioned Meats for all your grilling needs. And also great advice. Any, any questions you have will be answered by Spencer and his people. Uh, you can't miss it. It's at the north end of Hugo, just east of Highway 61, right on the highway. We'll be back with more of Johnny. The Earth is not your mother. The Joe Suchere Show. 
Here's John Height. Thank you, Joe. I was unprepared there. Let me get prepared. Well, you should have been prepared, I'm John. now prepared. Well, we were talking about some offense. Well, we're still stuff. doing the six bombs a minute. Six Seconds. bombs. Second. Bombs. Just can't grasp that. Uh, a sort of sports note, uh, LSU last night, if you missed it, won the big uh, national championship game. Uh, well, they're not a lot of the guys old enough to drink, so, of course, they don't have a champagne celebration or anything. The game played in the Superdome. Do they have the big uh, guy, the big Kool-Aid guy come out through the wall and go, hey, Kool-Aid? <laughs> no, but they did come prepared with victory cigars, which also caused a problem. Right. Smoking inside is illegal in Louisiana. Oh, God, please. According to AI.com's Michael Casagrande, a cop walked into the locker room in the middle of the celebration. No, no. no. And threatened to arrest anybody oh. who didn't extinguish their cigars. Oh, my goodness. The players laughed, thinking the cop was joking, but then a second officer uh, told them uh, in, in kind of a apologetic way, uh, sorry, but that's the orders from the commander. Uh, we got to enforce the law. Oh, that commander should lose his job. Yeah. And good luck to the two of them arresting those guys. Louisiana enacted a law in 2006 banning smoking in public spaces, and the city of New Orleans passed its own ordinance in 2015. You don't get taken to jail, uh, but you can, can get a ticket for up to uh, 50 bucks. Give me so. a ticket then, and then LSU pick up the tab. I did see uh, Joe Burrow, the star quarterback, uh, sitting in his uniform smoking a cigar. So I don't I don't know that they all quit smoking at that point. Matt, you were just in Vegas. Are they still smoking in, uh, in Vegas? Yes. Okay. Everywhere. And, and it's funny. And... It's funny because they'll, uh, if you get a hotel room, you can have a non smoking room. Right. But as soon as you go in the hallway or downstairs, it's. And I know in, in our casinos here in the state, you can still smoke. Still uh, smoke. Yeah, in, in the smoking areas and in your room. Yeah. Exactly. In news, a White Bear Lake woman accused of using her Woodbury business to promote prostitution has been convicted. According to court records, 53-year-old Shuxin Lan was convicted of two counts of promoting prostitution and two counts of receiving profits from prostitution. Lan had previously pleaded not guilty to all counts, and a past charge of engaging in sex trafficking was dismissed against her. A criminal complaint says the investigation began in August 2017 when authorities noticed an advertisement for Woodbury Wellness on a website that was a common resource used for posting commercial sex ads. Lon had applied for a license for the business in May of 2017, was approved, even though she was not a licensed massage therapist at the time. Or had even attended any massage. As the investigation went on, authorities noticed employees allegedly going back and forth between Woodbury Wellness and the Orchid Spa, White Bear Lake business, in which Lon was also listed as the owner. The complaint goes on to allege several customers interviewed during traffic stops after leaving Woodbury Wellness, acknowledging receiving or being offered sexual services. Uh, she will be sentenced on March 6th. Hay tainted by a toxic beetle is being blamed for the deaths of 14 horses and illnesses oh. to dozens of others on a Wisconsin ranch. Summer flooding left the hay from fields at Red Ridge Riding Stable unusable, so the owners purchased hay and alfalfa from farms in South Dakota and Wyoming. A blister beetle that releases a toxin when crushed during harvest is blamed for the horse's deaths and for sickening other 100, another 100 horses. Wow. Veterinarian Dave Kolb told the Wisconsin State Journal the toxin irritates the linings of horses' stomachs and intestines. There were no reports of horse deaths anywhere related to the tainted hay. Wow. Wisconsin Appeals Court on Tuesday morning put on hold an order to immediately remove up to 209,000 names from that state's voter registration rolls, handing Democrats who had fought the move a victory in the battleground state. 
The appeals court sided with a bipartisan state elections commission in putting the brakes on removing voters while the court fight continues. It also put on hold a ruling from Monday in which a judge found the commission and its three Democratic members in contempt for not proceeding with removing the voters. The issue was unlikely to be resolved in court before the presidential election. League of Women Voters of Wisconsin also filed a federal lawsuit to try and stop the purge. The Rotunda in the Mall of America has a new name. Uh, TCF Financial and the Mall have agreed on a deal for the bank to put its name on the Rotunda for the next three years. For the first time in a decade, a 5,000-square-foot meeting space inside the mall has had a, uh, will have a corporate sponsor. TCF operates the third-largest bank by assets and revenue in Minnesota, but it's no longer based here in the Twin Cities. Craig Dahl, president and CEO of TCF, says the number and variety of people who visit the Mall of America made the sponsorship opportunity appealing to the firm. A Winnipeg man was slapped with a $240 ticket for driving with... Too much snow on the roof of his van. Good. (laughs) Good. What? Jonathan McCullough said it took him a moment to realize a police officer was trying to pull him over as he drove on Bishop Grandine Boulevard on Friday on his way to a hockey rink, of course. McCullough said, when I rolled down my window, he asked me, why do I have so much snow on my roof? And I didn't know what to say. I was dumbfounded by the question. Well, you're a dum-dum. Because you didn't take it off your roof. McCullough said he had roughly 7 to 10 centimeters of snow on the roof of his minivan. And that was enough to earn him a ticket for operating the vehicle with an unsecured load. $237.50. McCullough said he's familiar with Manitoba law regarding unsecured loads on vehicles. But he didn't know that applied to snow, too. Now he says he wishes the law was more specific. Quote, it's not specific to snow, so it's really hard to interpret. It makes sense for making sure stuff doesn't fly off the vehicle. It's just I never made the connection between snow and snow being a load. Winnipeg Police Constable Rob Carver says the rules on snow fall under the Securement of Traffic Loads portion of Manitoba's Highway Traffic Act. The law says cargo transported by a vehicle has to be contained, covered, immobilized, or secured so it can't be dislodged from the vehicle or shift to the extent it adversely affects the vehicle's stability. I wonder how the law is uh, worded here in our state, because I know semi-drivers are supposed to remove the snow off the top of their trailer. Nothing that, scarier than 60 miles an hour when that thing starts throwing ice chips. Yeah, big and, circular right. chips. I know there's a lot of shops around town that have a, like a device you drive under that sweeps it off. For you. Like a really? de-ice thing? Eh, something like that, you know. You'd have to uh, get a big ladder to get up there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's Larry with the shovel or a, a, uh, a, an ice scraper. A uh, hair dryer? Yeah, or a, a, hair dryer. Or a, a blower, leaf blower. <laughs> a Tampa, Florida woman appeared before a judge Monday after she was arrested for allegedly trying to make a bomb inside of a Walmart. Good job, Jenny. Thanks. I struggled with it. I know. 37-year-old Emily Stallard reportedly crafted the homemade explosive in front, of a, in, <laughs> in front of a child at the Walmart on East Fletcher Avenue. The Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office said a security guard noticed she was wandering aimlessly through the aisles for more than an hour, opening odd items like nails, a mason jar, and denatured alcohol. They told deputies her behavior was suspicious. The security guard began watching her closely and alerted an off-duty officer who was in the store. The two men were able to stop Stallard right before she tried to light a wick and detained her until deputies arrived. Deputies said Stallard spit on them while she was being loaded into the patrol car. That's rude. I don't like spitting. I don't either. Untoward. Anti-crass.
Stallard was arrested on charges of attempted arson of a structure, firebombing, contributing to the delinquency of a minor, child abuse and battery on a law enforcement officer. Uh, the police, by the way, in case you're wondering, said uh, this definitely could have exploded in the store had she been able to light the wick. Uh, Sheriff Chad Cronister said, I'm proud of the quick response by the officer and security personnel who stopped in, did a thorough job performed by my deputies to investigate this matter and make an arrest. Stallard, as of Tuesday morning, remains behind bars. The Minnesota State Patrol says you have to clean off your entire car, including all of the windows, the roof, and the hood. You are liable if snow and or ice falls off your car, causing damage or an accident. It doesn't give the wording of the law or what it's called or how, where it falls under. In the last week, a lot of back windows full of snow. It drives me nuts. Yeah. How much work is it to me too. clean your back window? Yeah. Uh, sometimes lawbreakers just come to the police. It happened in Stamford, Connecticut over the weekend. While typing up a drunk driving arrest around 11 p.m., downtown Captain Diedrich Hone heard a loud crash right outside of police headquarters on Bedford Street. Officer William Patron confirmed the crash, and several calls came into 911 reporting a rollover right in front of the police station at 832 Bedford Street. 44-year-old Justin Labayere, the driver of a flipped-over Subaru Forester, was detained by Han and Officer Marco Califano. Bedford Street had to be shut down for a time while crews worked to remove the car. Labari told police he had been heading north when he hit a parked car. Mm. He was treated by medics at the scene. Police said they could smell some alcohol. And observing some mannerisms, they decided to bring him inside and administer field sobriety tests. He told police he'd only had two beers. However, oh. interpretation? He... Is he bad at math like we are? Yes. <laughs> However, he failed two of the tests but performed the one legged stand close to the test standard. So police were a bit surprised when he blew a .259 and a .271 on the breathalyzer, showing his blood alcohol level nearly three times the legal limit of .08. Officers said they were amazed that LaBierre was functioning pretty well despite being that drunk. LaBierre was charged with driving while under the influence, failure to maintain a proper lane, driving without a license. He was released after posting $100 bond. How Twitter works is still somewhat new to me. Yes. I, I never know what what might garner likes. Mm-hmm. So over the weekend I tweeted uh, something to the effect that when you uh, stop to accommodate an oncoming driver on these narrow, rutted, icy streets, yeah. you let them have full access to the right. narrow lane that exists. Well, they go by you, and I said, shouldn't you get a little something for One that? of these, one of these. Shouldn't you get Every the, single time yeah. you should get you something. Shouldn't you shouldn't get two fingers lifted off the wheel yep, or a yep. little up nod or A-OK. Flash the bright, thanks. And uh, that's got about 400 people have, have looked yeah. at that. I, I can't. I, so obviously I've touched on a, a nerve there that other people have noticed. Well, it's I, been driving me crazy for a long, long time. Yeah. I'd also, here's how Twitter works. I would warn you. That you were uh, very uh, braggadocious. You were taunting about your driveway. I'm sure people will turn on you and say, you know, he's oh. had two virgin driveways. Yes. Two virgin you know, I'm sure people are going to be jealous and start would, coming after you. I was going to warn you about that, too. I used to do uh, ads for um, you know, snowmobiling in Wyoming. Oh, yeah. And I used the terms virgin and unmolested snow, because <laughs> in my world, Jeez. that's what we we refer to as fresh powder. Right. 
And the client contacted me very, very, very upset, and they wow. were going to pull all their ads what? because I used the words virgin and unmolested. Maybe you have to say an undriven upon driveway, a non-driven over time. Speak, speaking of that, uh, th- this drove me crazy because I, too, like my driveway. I, I shovel. I go out and shovel. I, know I like do, it yeah. nice and clean. And You're all scooped well, to walk. Well, last night, my kid orders a pizza. A guy From pulls, Man City, they hope. guy pulls right up to my garage door. <laughs> yeah. Right up to my garage oh, door. Tracked, on, on the no. snow. Yeah. He FFLF'd you. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, I was kind of disappointed this morning. Or MLFF, male fund limitation factor. It was yeah. a fella. Yeah. My, my wife strolled in last night and said, how come nobody shoveled? <laughs> yeah. I said, oh, it's going to snow another one to three tonight. I'm not, I'll do it tomorrow. I'm trying to stay ahead of it. Space management. Yeah. Mayor's trying to set an example. Well, you know exactly where you can get snow melt. Shovels, get the front sand. Yep. And the best thing I saw Mike on uh, uh, Twin Cities Live the other day. It's that uh, the chick stuff. What is that called? It's uh, not uh, ice the melt. Grit and it's the grit. Yep. The grit is the best thing oh. for stability. So you're chick not slipping. Stuff. I thought you meant like hygiene products. No. Like, what <laughs> no. the, you probably can get those there too. I'm where, sure. Where are you going with this? Yeah. No. Uh, so GarageLogic.com. That's where you can find out the spot to get all the Garage Logic gear. Sooch, I always, always acquiesce. I'm driving the big farm truck. I always get out of the way. 100% of the time, it's me pulling over. And I'd say, and I, then I wave at them. Yep. I also give them the wave, and yep. it's the full five fingers up in the windshield. I'd say one out of ten wave back. Isn't that something? Really? I don't get it. That's the uh, that's the absence of fulfilling the social social yeah. contract. Yep. I don't yep. like it. No. I don't like it. Give me a little something. Give me something. Do you want something? You want to make it really easy to get Garage Logic, the Fret Club Table Talk with Rookie's family. Download the app. Pod MN, Pod MN, and you can enjoy your favorite podcast, including Garage Logic. Again, Garage Logic gear at garagelogic.com. This is number 301. Woo!